Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is September 17th, 2023. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in about an hour. It's Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Now, notice we uh, in the intro we said it's going to be Canada's issues in about an hour. We've been talking about it being in under an hour. And finally, Lewis last week said, um, you know, this under an hour thing is uh, a target we very rarely reach anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the last several episodes have been over an hour. So it's... Uh... So, yeah, I was like, man, maybe we should change the wording on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now, yes, Canada's issues in about an hour. So uh, a couple housekeeping notes to start out with, and then we'll get right into the show topics because, yep, we've got a busy one again today. Um, first of all, the House of Commons resumes tomorrow, September 18th, uh, which means that all the re regular political podcasts, CPAC, etc., will fire back up with the House of Commons, which means we will lose some of our summer listeners like we do every year, although more and more hang on because our show does keep growing. But to those people who said, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet and listen to these two jackasses from rural Canada because there's nothing else to listen to for the summer, well, to those of you staying, thanks. To those of you who are leaving us for another parliamentary year, well, so long. We'll we'll talk to you again next summer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. I don't know. I hope we. I hope we hold on to them, but uh, um, because I think that you know they'll. The the longer you listen to us, the the more you realize that we're right, and well, the true. other podcasts are wrong. That is absolutely true, and I. Uh, I noticed from our Facebook post, and we're going to talk about this a little later in the show, that you know there's some people who are very ideologically opposed to us, but they're still tuning in. And I'm, well, I'm good at that. I, mean, I listen to a lot yeah, of CBC I, podcasts, right? So I, I have a feeling that those those are just people who's uh probably seeing the the posts in the friends feeds or whatever, but uh that could be, yeah. Yeah, because I mean like they they sound like they're um uh Let's how, how do you say it that they're targeting us? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we must be making waves because it looks like there's uh, liberal operatives that are uh, we, that we are have targeting trolls. Our yeah, we have <laughs> trolls. Yeah. All right. So one more housekeeping note to to what to point out uh, when we were recording our show last weekend, uh, question period was broadcasting out well probably just after we recorded and Vashi Capellos was interviewing Andrew Shear who is now the CPC house leader he was once a leader and she was going hard at him about cryptocurrency and other issues and Andrew Shear was having none of it to his credit he was pushing back and he actually told her once flat out um, no, what you're saying is false, Vashi, and then corrected her. And she kept on going on about cryptocurrency, which is something that Trudeau and the and his minions love to go on because, well, honestly, Pierre, you know, he misspoke about that when he was wrong. But um, yeah, Andrew Shear was not taking any of her crap. And all I could think was, where was this guy in 2019? Like, why didn't he have that kind of backbone then? He could have been prime minister. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I watched the interview at the same time as you did, and I was like, um, "Yeah, where was this guy?" Like, yeah. because <laughs> because yeah, she was she was like a dog with a bone about about uh, you know Poliev talking about 
you know, it, you could escape inflation by investing in uh, crypto, which uh, obviously did not age very well. Um, and, uh, and but she wouldn't let it go. And uh, and and yeah, Andrew Shear just he pushed back. And I, and I was like, man, you could have won an election had you been like this during the campaign. Totally. Yeah. So um, it's great to see he's got that confidence now. But yeah, just a couple of years too late, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK, Canada, we've got a busy one for you today. So on the show today. Justin, his cabinet and taxes with Jet, Pierre and Jan, a blue wave in BC. Get your masks on Canada, EVs powering down and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Hey, let's let's start with the EVs. Sure. Yeah, this was uh, from the London Free Press. I found this article just yesterday, actually, and uh GM has uh, a plant in Ingersoll, Ontario. Uh, it's called the CAMI plant, C-A-M-I, who makes delivery vans, electric delivery vans. So like you'd see with Canada Post or DHL or, or whatnot. And these are all EVs. Well, CAMI has actually had to shut down operations and lay off 1,500 workers until spring. Uh, I think until February of next year, if I remember correctly, because, well, they just can't get enough batteries for these EVs, so they got to shut down until they can get more EV battery plants on board to make them some batteries. It's, a, it's, a, it's interesting. I mean, I, I thought that there was going to be, you know, just batteries appearing out of thin air to, to put in all of these electric vehicles that they want to build. Well, and you know, they're, they're mandating more and more sales of, of EVs you know, with each year and till I think it was 2035 when we're supposed to be selling 100% electric. And wow, what do you know? Yet one more piece of proof that they're not ready for prime time. No, I mean, it, it's honestly, this is something that you and I have already talked about on the show in the past was that there's just no way that they're going to be able to get the raw materials to make enough EV batteries to, to be, uh, you know, putting in, approximately 17 million vehicles a year that get built in for the North American market. That's just the North American market, by the way, 17 million vehicles a year. And so, and, and I mean, we're nowhere near that now. I mean, we're, I mean, I think we're talking a million vehicles a year, maybe at max right now, and they can't even get enough batteries for those. Yeah, isn't that funny? And then uh, another another uh, bit of news I read was that the projection from the Parliamentary Budget Office was that the corporate welfare that was doled out to Volkswagen Stellantis for the making of EV batteries, and I guess soon to be uh, Northvolt AB, I believe it is from Sweden, and that, would, that other company, is, I think it's Ford, this building out in Quebec as well. All this corporate welfare apparently is going to take 20 years before it actually starts to uh, pay itself back. And I know that there was some dumbass from rural BC who had said, well, I'll bet you in 10 years, they're going to have to retool for the next gen batteries and have those hands sticking out for more corporate welfare. So uh, the downward spiral of Canadian taxpayer dollars continues. Yeah. No, and I mean, it was highly predictable. 
I mean, if if you and I were able to predict that, then I mean, anybody should have been able to predict that. And and I mean, it, 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 the news is coming a lot sooner than I expected. Um, but but I mean, yeah, we're vindicated once again. I mean, this is this is insane. I mean, we should not be involved in corporate welfare. And I mean, that that includes the oil industry and that includes farming and all of that kind of stuff. The government should not be involved in corporate welfare. Yep, 100 percent. And um, on that vein, and this isn't a Canadian story, but in Germany, the German government decided they would stop uh, subsidizing EV sales to, uh, to consumers. And what do you know? The demand for EVs has now plummeted in Germany. Well. That tells us a lot, Canada. Yeah, it tells us that the narrative that Europeans are care more than we do um, is uh, just a bunch of bunk. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, since you talked about care, a bunch, of... they they Go care ahead. about they care about the same thing we care about, and that is, can I even afford this or not? That's it. That's all they care about, just like us. Yep. Exactly. And uh, speaking of bunk and with what we can afford, well, we might as well talk about the Liberal Cabinet retreat in London. Um, Justin Trudeau was just a little bit late for that because his plane broke down in India after a very disastrous G20 trip and where he was mocked heavily by the Indian media, by the way. He, uh, he arrived in London and they talked a lot about we're going to keep doing what we're doing because it's working so well. Okay, wait, that was my addition to it. But they actually did have one, well, I guess I can't call it a new idea, but a, a idea of their own that they recycled on taxes and housing. Yeah, and honestly, this is something that I do have to give them credit for. Um, it is the right move. Um, they removed the GST from new construction of rental units so if a developer is building an apartment building that that the intent is to rent out all the units as as rentals then they will receive a gst rebate on all the gst that they paid during construction of the building so i am in favor of this i do have to give the liberals credit for doing that um the uh, the only issue is is that that was something they promised in the 2015 election, and then in I believe 2018 or 2020 they abandoned it, saying that it would not make an appreciable difference, and uh, and that it was a it was not a uh, policy that they were going to be pursuing. And, um, but only after Pierre Poiliev started saying that this is what he would do if elected, did they bring it back? And honestly, this is an admission by the liberals that, you know, removing taxes does make things more affordable, um, which completely you know, betrays the next thing that they announced. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. And on the housing front, I mean, they, uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm happy to see them 
cut the GST on rental units. But there's a lot of millennials out there who are renting right now. And there's a lot of millennials who are, say, in their early 30s. And they're thinking, you know, I'm really enjoying my home here in Kamloops, BC, Chicoutimi, Quebec, uh, Belleville, Ontario. And maybe I want to, you know, buy a house, start a family, set down some roots. Well, they still can't buy a house because this GST is on rental units only, apartments, seniors' homes, yeah. um, student housing, et cetera. So these millennials are still holding their hand up in the air saying, um, what about us? What about some help to buy a place? I mean, that's there's still nothing on that front. So I'm a little upset about that, but I'll take what I can get. So, I mean, with the GSC on rentals, okay, that's a good start. Um, what What's next? Exactly. Lewis? Exactly. That is a good step. Um, but it is, like you said, not not a big enough step. Um, there needs to be a re complete removal of GST on all new construction, I believe, uh, for for new homes. Um, and, and I don't believe in this division of you know, wealthy and, and lower income. Like if you're going to remove the GST off new, new construction of homes, it should be on all homes. And, uh, because I mean, the more homes that get built and it doesn't matter if they're for wealthy people or not, the more ho new homes that get built, the more supply there is and the lower the prices will be because, you know, it's all about supply and demand. And how about this? Let's not bring in a million immigrants every year. Because that's putting huge pressure on housing right now. Huge pressure on housing. So, I mean, we need to get our housing situation under control before we start allowing a million immigrants into the country every year. I mean, because that's what happened in 2022 is we allowed a, or we brought in a million immigrants. I mean, it, that's ridiculous. We're not that big of a country. Geographically, we are, but population wise, we're not. I mean, we're only, I mean, we're now what, 40 million people? And I mean, they let in a million people last year. That is a lot. That's a big percentage. Uh, in relation to our current population. So, I mean, we, we got to cut back on immigration just to put, take pressure off housing and with, and with places, you know, with housing starts dropping across the country right now. I mean, just in my area here, there's been a 40% drop in housing starts this year. So, I mean, we're, the housing situation is only going to get worse if, we keep allow if we keep bringing in a million people every year when housing starts are are down forty percent, you know this, it's only going to make the matters worse when it comes to housing, not better. And now the other announcement that we just alluded to was that Justin Trudeau and his uh, minister uh, minister of what. Uh, not sure which minister, but they announced that they have summoned the CEOs of the of Canada's largest grocery chains to Ottawa 
to explain themselves basically <laughs> and to come and to and to come up with a plan to stabilize grocery prices um and he wants answers as to why groceries have gone up so much well okay i'm not a grocer but i am a businessman and i can tell you right now you dumb twit that it's all to do with taxes and inflation and interest rates. I mean, taxes. The, the the carbon tax keeps getting increased every year by quite a bit. You know, I mean, in in the last three years, I believe the carbon tax has gone up 30 bucks a ton. I mean, this is... <laughs> if you don't expect that to get passed on to the consumer, you're a twit. So I'm assuming Justin Trudeau's a twit. Um, now... The other thing is, is that the federal government blew out their spending the, past, the last three years and caused massive inflation. Our dollar isn't worth what it used to be. In fact, it's worth about 30% less, or roughly. 20 to 30% less over the past three years is what our dollar is worth now. And if... You don't understand general, you know, basic economics. That means that when your dollar loses value, it doesn't buy as much. So that means you have to spend more to get the same amount. And I hate to sound like I'm condescending here, but I'm assuming that the, our, our listenership already understands this. And nobody minds if I talk to Justin Trudeau like this. And encourage it, in so, fact. Yeah, and encourages it, in fact, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I already know what the CEOs are going to tell the government, but here's the kicker. He announced that if they do not come to the table with a plan, then the federal government is going to stop at nothing to force them to lower prices, including raising taxes or imposing new taxes on them. Yeah, isn't that just brilliant? Um, okay, you need to lower the price of food, and if you don't, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to tax the crap out of you. That's fantastic. Yeah. What did I think of that? Because, because that's going to lower prices. <laughs> yeah, of course, because they wouldn't pass that tax on to the consumer. They wouldn't dare. No, in fact, they'll 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 just eat that tax themselves and lower their prices at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> like it makes so much sense. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so one more thing on the housing before we go on. I actually had the opportunity to chat with a a property management company owner yesterday. In fact, because they bought this house across the street from us, and. Uh, what he was saying is that it's good that the government is talking about zoning, but that's a municipal uh, responsibility, of course. But he was saying that they just don't zone for uh, like single family bungalows enough anymore. It's either the the duplexes, the townhomes. He says the the 
it's mostly two and three bedroom homes. Like he said, a house like ours that has five bedrooms is a diamond mine. He said, there's, they just don't build those anymore. And he said, they've really got to start zoning better on a municipal level. If they really want to start digging into this housing crunch. And uh, he actually had some pretty good points to say. So I got to, had to, you know, think twice about that. I thought, yeah, I mean, that's true. And I said, not just that, they also don't zone enough for like, um, like walk-up apartments, for example, because there's always this talk about, oh, you want to keep the the spirit of the neighborhood and whatnot. Well, then build a little, you know, eight-suite walk-up on what used to be two lots of, you know, residential housing, and you're still going to keep the character of the neighborhood, but uh, they just don't want to think outside the box. And that's another reason why we can't house people, because you're either going to build townhouses or you're going to build some apartments, but I know at least in in my city, it's a lot of uh, you know big luxury houses out in the outskirts. So you're not really meeting the needs for the people who need it the most. Yeah, but the problem that I see is that you know the, all, their focus is on apartments, townhomes, um, high density high density housing. Well, nobody wants to live in high density housing. I mean, that's that's part of the problem, right? I mean, a lot of people start there. Obviously, I did. I started in an apartment. Um, everybody, most people I know, start in an apartment. That's fine. But most people don't want to buy an apartment. Most people don't want to buy a condo or a townhouse. They just do because that's all they can afford. But most people don't want to be living on top of their neighbors. Nobody wants to be, you know, they don't want to feel like they're, um, you know, on this tiny little postage stamp of a, of a lot either. I mean, like I've never understood that about, about cities. I mean, I, I do understand that, you know, that they maximize profits and everything. They make the, 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 the properties as small as possible. Right. Um, but Nobody likes living that way. People want to have some room. They don't want their neighbors, every single neighbor around them to be able to see into their backyard and, and all of that. I mean, not very many people actually want that. And so you see a lot of people, and I think that actually contributes to a lot of the mental, uh, like mental health issues we have today, uh, like with depression and, and all of that is because people are living on top of each other and we're not meant to. And, and, uh, so, I mean, I would like to see like, like that developer that you talked to said, I would like to see a lot more, you know, single family detached bungalows being built, not even like big two story or walkouts or anything like that. Just bungalows like starter homes. Right. And but not on postage stamp lots either. Like, give us a little bit of land, you know, something that that we can, you know, our kids can play in and, and you can throw a baseball in and uh, and, you know, I mean, not have to worry about, you know. Throwing it too far, it's just we need more neighborhoods, you know, we need more more community oriented neighborhoods and that's something that you just don't get in the city anymore yep that's true so all right so let's move on from from that 
uh, well, you might not get this in the city, but you will get it in the air. Would it appear, Paul, you have ever uh, stir up a bee's nest with a simple 45-second rah-rah to a plane full of, well, mostly Conservative Party delegates heading home from the Conservative Party convention? Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a funny one um, because you've got a few people, not very many, but a few, claiming that they will never fly with WestJet again over this, that they will, um, that WestJet and Pierre Polyev owe Canada an apology. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what did he do? Did he, did he hurt somebody? Did he, did he? you know, lie to somebody or you know, what did he do that he has to apologize? No, all he did was get on a, on the uh, PA system on the plane, which by the way, he had prior approval to do and was invited to do so by the crew. And, um, and all he did was give a little rah-rah speech. It wasn't a great speech he made a funny joke you know about there being two years of turbulence and uh and then it'll be over um that was a great little that was a funny little little quip um but i mean he gave like a campaign style speech a little bit of a campaign style speech which he didn't need to do because the plane was full of supporters um but uh but besides that i mean it was a harmless thing and honestly, if I was on that plane and Justin Trudeau got up and said something, I wouldn't be complaining. And I hate that guy more than most people. Um, if Jagmeet Singh got up, oh, okay, yeah, we would complain about that. We would need to have an apology <laughs> over that one. But, but or or Elizabeth May, I mean, I would definitely require an apology for that too. Um, but, but uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm joking. I would not require an apology from any politician who got up and gave a little speech on the PA system on a plane full of their supporters. That's bull. That's so stupid. And honestly, the biggest complainer of them all is this little singer from Calgary named Jan Arden. And uh, who who claims that she's never going to fly WestJet ever again. And all I have to say to Jan is, good luck leaving Calgary if you don't fly on WestJet, Jan. Um, and um, I don't know, maybe you should just go get drunk and sing the national anthem somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, you already yeah. did that. <laughs> yes she has now i uh because my wife is a fan of jan arden i've actually been dragged out to see a couple of her concerts when she's been in town and the last one wasn't as painful but she is very political when she's uh on stage at a concert because she has the microphone and you don't and yeah she has no problem espousing her leftist views to a uh, an audience that may or may not agree with her but to date, not that I know of at least, has anybody who's been in, a, in the audience of one of her shows ever demanded an apology for her talking about her political views? So uh, 
Shut up, Jan. Just shut up. Well, I think they should. They should demand an apology. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously she has some advice to give on how to be insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. I knew it. But, but you know, here's the thing. Jan Arden, uh, that isn't even the worst one. The worst one is the union that represents WestJet employees is demanding an apology from Pierre Polyev. Um, and Pierre Polyev's response, I thought, was good. He said, the, the crew on the plane asked him to say a few words, probably because they like his message. And the thing that I, you know, say, have to say about that is that my wife belongs to a union through her job, and not by choice. Um, but the union assumes that they speak for all their members when it comes to politics, like the, the little booklet that, or magazine that they send in the mail to our house once a month and the, with the articles and the, and the, uh, the political comics that just trash the conservatives, um, my wife has actually asked her union to stop sending her the magazine and they won't, they, they insist on sending it. And it's like, you know, maybe they should apologize to their, to their members because they don't speak for their members when it comes to politics. Maybe they speak for them in contract negotiations, but they certainly don't speak for them in terms of, um, in terms of their political, commentary or their political narrative or, or or opinion that is something that is personal and it is not something that is um a union should even be assuming that they speak for their members on um and and a perfect example of this is is what's happening in um in bc right now because as everybody knows, BC is a very, uh, how do I say, union-friendly province, right? I mean, a good chunk of our population here is unionized. Uh, we have, I think, in Canada, I think BC has the highest percentage of their employees are government employees. And... Uh, like the high, a higher percentage of their workers in BC are in government employees than in any other province in Canada. I believe that is a real stat. Um, and even in BC, it's we've actually got a majority of support for for the federal Conservative Party of Canada in this province now. Believe it or not. I shared a, a a poll results with you yesterday on this, and um, I don't know that I've ever seen conservative support this high in BC. Um, the liberals are just gotta see if I can find that. 
Well, they're a distant third. I mean, they're uh Yeah, they're a distant third here in BC, which is crazy. Um, I'm just trying to find the oh, there it is. So in BC, the Liberals are sitting at 18% as opposed to 25%, I think, or no, 23% nationally. The NDP are sitting at 22%. And the Conservatives, where nationally they're sitting at 40, I believe it's 42%, are sitting at 52% in BC. 52% in a highly unionized province. Yeah. Take that, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, if if British Columbia, which is a, you know, there's so there's a BC is a is a bit of a dichotomy. I mean, the cities like the Lower Mainland, right, and the island, and not even the whole island, just Victoria, really, tend to be very left wing. Um, tend to be very liberal and NDP in the Lower Mainland, and which is the Van Greater Vancouver area and uh and victoria outside of that the province is very conservative for the most part but the problem is is that the population split between the lower mainland and the rest of the province is is enormous i mean bc is a huge province it's the third largest province in the country it takes two days to drive from the southern border to the northern border. Like, it's a big province. And I think three or two-thirds or three-quarters of the population lives in the greater Vancouver area and Victoria. So the rest of this enormous province is very sparsely populated except for a few cities. And but outside of that lower mainland, it's 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 mostly very conservative. But now it seems like Vancouver and and the island are becoming very conservative too, because fifty two percent. I mean, that's huge in a province like BC. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, well, actually, we'll, uh, we'll we'll jump in the talk of BC politics here. Just want to throw one more thing out there for. Uh... For Miss Jan Arden, and that would be remember when Neil Young and Joni Mitchell both threatened Spotify that if they didn't cancel Joe Rogan, they could just pull their music from Spotify. Well, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell are no longer on Spotify, and Joe Rogan still is. So, uh, Jan Arden, don't think you're hurting WestJet's bottom line one bit. Actually, Tony, that's not true. Uh, Neil Young. And Joni Mitchell, or yeah, Joni Mitchell, yeah, yeah, they're they're back on Spotify. Oh, they're back now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, very quietly. There was no announcement. They just came back to Spotify because that was where most all their streams are coming from. And so uh, they lost the battle and they forfeited their uh, their fight. And they and they just said, okay, we'll 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 stay on the platform just. Whatever. Let's move on. 
<laughs> well, so, yeah. And, and I suspect we'll see John Arden on a WestJet flight again one day, too. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you touched on BC. Let's, let's stay there, because... Wow, is there ever a conservative wave going on? Now, there was a, a by-election to replace John Horgan in uh, Langford, Juan de Fuca, where the conservatives placed second, the, the provincial BC conservatives. And at the time, we thought not much of it. And uh, you just said, oh, it's probably a blip on the radar and whatever. It's a by-election. Well, suddenly now the BC conservatives have two MLAs now. Um, uh, Bruce Banman, who was a BC United uh I'm not sure if he was defense or if he was a forward. Oh, wait, that's a soccer team. Um, anyway, he has now uh, joined the BC Conservatives, and he actually had a few good lines for them, too, when he when he moved over in his press conference. But now the BC Conservatives are have official party status in the BC legislature. And, well, that means a couple of pay raises for both uh, John Rustad and Bruce Banman. But it also means they're... They have equal footing with the Greens as far as number of seats. They get a research budget now. They'll have uh, guaranteed questions in, in the, the legislature and question period. So um, what the actual hell? Yeah, it also means that the leader, John Rustad, gets to take part in the leaders' debates in the next election. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge profile. Yeah, so, I mean, congratulations to the BC Conservative Party. Uh, you did something I didn't think even know was possible. Um, it's, uh, But I think that this goes to show the shift in political ideology in, in the province I live in. It's, it's starting to shift to the right. And, you know, it's about goddamn time. But... Um, but yeah, BC is going conservative. And um, I mean, I, I had no idea that the, and I talked about this on the last show, I, I had no idea that the BC Conservative Party was this popular in this province. And I'm a conservative living in this province in a conservative riding. Like, I mean, we were represented by a BC United MLA, but this is a very conservative minded riding. And uh, and I had no idea that the BC Conservative Party was was making waves like this. And all of a sudden, they're second in polling in the in the province and climbing. So it's um, it's very interesting what's happening here. And uh, and I hope that um, John Rustad is up for the is up for the fight here. Yeah, well, he did say in a in an interview that he's been traveling the province and he's convinced that they're going to have candidates in all ninety one ridings in BC in the next election, and then uh, Bruce Banman that said that the leader of the BC United, uh, Kevin Falcon, that his name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that he had told uh, Mr. Banman said, well, you know, political defections never end well, and I mean, it's really political suicide for you, and so then. Uh, Ruth Bandman shot back and said, well, you know what? I was elected as a BC liberal. That party no longer exists. And the quote, the money quote, when you look at the BC NDP, BC United and the BC Greens, three lefts don't make a right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, technically they do. They kind of, if you go through a traffic circle, you're right. I thought of that too. 
<laughs> exactly. They they actually do make a right. But anyway, <laughs> we we get the sentiment. Um, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, and here's and this is something that you know I'm going to make actually clear to our listeners. Um, I was at an a, at a BC United event um, a few weeks back, where the second person that I talked to when I was there was Kevin Falcon, uh, the leader of the BC United Party, and I spoke to him for a solid twenty minutes um, without being interrupted, and uh, and then I got to have another discussion with him for about ten more minutes. Uh, a little later on where I was talking to him with another, with another person uh, who was also a business owner and, um, and Kevin Falcon. And I told you this at the time, I was really impressed with him. I, 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 I I've never liked Kevin Falcon. Um, I was, he was not my choice to lead the party. Um, he, uh, but I was really impressed with him uh, because I felt like he was actually listening to me when I was talking to him about concerns that I had. Um, but, and when he found out that I had a podcast, he invited himself on to the podcast. He said, you should have me on. I love doing podcasts. And I said, okay, great. We'll, we'll arrange it. And, he introduced me to his uh, his chief of staff, who who said that she would organize everything. We have been in contact with this chief of staff a couple of times, and we have received nothing. Um, they're ghosting us at this point, and so I, I I just want our listeners to know this because this is. This is, you know, you don't invite yourself onto a onto a podcast if you have no intention of going onto it. Um, you don't, you know, th this is, and, and so this it, it really bothers me because every other politician that we have talked to, <clears throat> who has said that they would come on our show, they have come on our show, and. In fact, we're lining up other interviews right now, and um, and they're all working with us to get on the show. But Kevin Falcon, who said who 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 invited himself on the show, uh, has not responded to our latest communiques. They they talked they responded to our previous ones, but the last one that I sent, no response. And so you know that's not cool, and it's not. I'm not happy about it. Um, it kind of, you know, reinforces my original feelings about Kevin Falcon that I didn't, I, I, I that I'm not a fan of his. Um, and um, so, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It, it's uh, take that the way you want. Um, but maybe that's a reason why the BC conservative party is gaining in popularity and the BC United party is dropping. Yeah, that could very well be. And uh, well, sticking with BC, but on the federal scene, uh, Aaron Gunn just made an announcement. Uh, he made an announcement that he's going to make an announcement later this week. And that's, that's politics 101, because you're going to get free media when you say, 
I'm making an announcement because then they report, oh, he's making an announcement. And then he gets free media again the second time when he actually makes the announcement. But, I mean, he spelled it out and he all but said he's going to run for the federal conservatives. I mean, he had a visit from Pierre Polyev himself and posted that up on his social media and then said he's going to make an announcement. I think it's the 21st. That that, that seems to ring a bell. So uh, anyway, he said he's making an announcement for the people of uh, whatever they're riding that, that Comox is in, because that's where he's going to make the announcement is in Comox yeah. on Vancouver Island. And of course, talking about the future, and he gave a few conservative talking points with it too. And uh, I noticed a lot of the comments on his social media are all like, well, duh, he's going to run. So uh I'm guessing that yeah he's he's gonna run and I uh hey I'm all for it I like Aaron Gunn yeah I like Aaron Gunn too I I'm actually I'm actually disappointed that he's gonna be running um because I really enjoy his his YouTube videos I really enjoy his uh, his politics explained series with uh, you know he's the one who created Vancouver is dying. Canada is dying. Uh, and he's got all of the, he, he has a regular show on YouTube that he puts up uh, and it's called politics explained. It is that Canada is dying and Vancouver's dying are just the two most, the two most popular, uh, most viral uh, videos that he's done. Uh, he does other shows like all the time and, and they're excellent. They're very, very good. So I am, I'm a little disappointed that, that he's, that he, that he's going to be running for politics because uh, that show is going to end. He he won't be able to do that show anymore. So um, it's, I'm, I'm sad about that, but I'm also glad that we're going to get someone else, you know, in running for office that, that actually cares. Like, he genuinely cares about Canada. He genuinely cares about his riding. He genuine, genuinely cares about BC and the people in it. And I think that he would be a a very, very good advocate for the people in his riding. So that is a that's a good thing. The bad thing is is that his politics explained show will won't be on anymore. So but uh, but if in fact, Aaron, your very um, poorly disguised uh, announcement that you will be running um, <laughs> is true, then congratulations. We're 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 happy that you're going to be doing it, but also sad that your show is going to be done. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And then um, one thing, and I'll get your opinion on this, Lewis, since you live in BC, is um, when we posted that up on our Facebook page, I think it was one of the polls we posted up how the, when the BC Conservatives are doing so well and the federal conserv Conservatives are doing so well. Well, you're a couple of years away from a provincial election in BC and we're, we're well, we don't know when the next federal election is going to come. Can this momentum for the Conservatives in BC Stay, maintain itself grow like uh we've got a long runway here yeah well when the when the winds of change start it's very hard to stop it right so yeah i do i i think that they i think that they can uh hold on to it and especially if john rustad is 
is up for the fight. Um, he just needs to keep that momentum going, right? And I mean, I, I really do like it, it's very well known in in politics in general, not just Canadian politics, but in politics in general. That once the once the winds of change start blowing, it is really hard to calm them and stop them, right? Um, so when you start seeing a, a you know the the support swing like this. Um, I really do think that as long as the leader can keep the message going, um, then yeah, by the time the next election rolls around, you know, the conservatives could be well ahead in the polls. Well, fingers crossed. I'd love to see that happen, but I, I do I. love being conservatives. So, Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about someone who's not even close to a conservative. Um, Teresa Tam decided to step in front of a microphone wearing her mask, of course. And <laughs> it's it's actually the uh, the question from the media has almost gone viral. I've heard it even in, on some U.S. shows. Dave Rubin uh, and Dan Bongino both were were mocking the reporter about it because the uh, whoever it was that asked her the question about the mask uh, had started. The preface was, oh, I see you're wearing wearing your mask and that's great that you are. And then asked about will uh, will Canadians be masking up this fall? And she said, "Well, yeah, we uh, we definitely would advise people to start wearing masks again." And then she started talking about uh, a new COVID wave this fall. And I actually just started saying, um, "F you, Teresa Tam, not happening." Yeah, exactly. Go to hell. Um. She actually, in that press conference, um, advised Canadians to get the boosters and to wear a mask and to socially distance. And her and her colleagues were socially distanced at the table. They, they were sitting at least six feet apart. Of course they were. And, yeah, and it's... At, at this point, you've got to be embarrassed that you're trying to push this message or that you're you're putting on this political like this political theater um because that's what it is it's theater and it, it, you know at this point we now know for fact because there have been a few studies that have come out now that that prove that the, that masks did absolutely nothing to stop the spread that they actually don't work and that is straight from the CDC in the States. Like this isn't like some, you know, um, you know, some, some, I don't it's know. Alex some, yeah. It's well, except Alex Jones has been right. Like Alex <laughs> Jones, Alex Jones is the one who predicted a month ago or so that we were going to be told to wear masks again and to uh, that COVID mandates were coming back this fall. He's the one who said that. And a month later, lo and behold, it's happening. It's happening. He's right. You know, I mean, the, it, it, it's not like it was some, you know, uh, anti-masking anti-vaxxing group that came out with this study it was the cdc 
the CDC, the ones who pushed masks in the first place, are the ones saying the, the masks did nothing to curb the spread and that even K, KN95 masks wouldn't have stopped it. And, um, and that, uh, you know, all of this is, ju it's just BS. Like, I want to see them try. Just try and do it again because it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to do it this time. Well, I mean, that, and, that's right. Only once. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get so much pushback this time. It's not even funny. Like, I will not do it. Well, and I encourage all Canadians not to do it. And I mean, if they want to talk about masking here in Saskatchewan, I'm just going to say F you. Like, I'm just, I wasn't really a big fan last time. And this time I simply just will not comply. No, no, me too. Me too. All right, Canada. So to wrap the show up, I want to address uh, some of the hate we got on our, our Facebook page on the, uh, the Jan Arden thing. I, uh, I don't even I don't know who the douchebag is, and I obviously doesn't listen to our show, but uh, made this comment like and said, "Wow, beating up on woman." When I think I'm sure he meant women, but then um, just said, "Must you must take your orders directly from Pierre Polyev?" Conservatives hate women making decisions, and I uh, thought, "Well, random douchebag, if you actually listen to our show, you'd know that." One of our co-hosts is absolutely fanatical about Danielle Smith, a conservative woman who makes decisions, and might know that Pierre Polyev has not been on our show, even though we've asked him, but he happens to have a gay Jewish woman as his deputy leader. So um, <laughs> way yeah. to keep yourself informed, idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's it was bound to happen that that people were going to start realizing that our show has reach now and that, that they're going to um, attack us. And uh, so, yeah, congratulations to our, all our listeners. You've, uh, you've helped us become a target. So thank you. But, uh, but I think becoming a target is kind of a, um, it's, it's a, uh, It, it's a uh, compliment. Becoming a target by, by the left is is a compliment to us because it means that they fear us. Yeah, and I, I actually quite enjoy it. I, uh, I am, you know, I'm not going to engage those people on on a social media post and argue back and forth with them on X, for example, or or on Facebook. But uh, but yeah, I think it's hilarious. So. Uh... Keep trolling there, trollers. I'm we're ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just so you know, we're we're laughing at you. We're not we don't take anything you say seriously, but but it's funny. So yeah, keep it up. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> All right, right Canada. So we're actually gonna wrap it up there on a high note. So we uh, we do want to thank you for joining us. And for those of you who just joined us for the summer, yeah. Stick stick around. Let's have some more fun through the through the fall here. Now that Parliament has resumed, we're certainly going to see a lot more idiocy that we can comment on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the about an hour might become about a half an hour and a half, but um, <laughs> because the idiocy just gets ramped up when when the house uh, sits again. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All yeah. right, Canada. So thank you so much for joining us, and until next week. 
It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. <laughs>